of that. That can come out the wrong way. Um, the first week that I that uh, Sal and I were gone, uh, we were over in uh, Airway Heights and uh, covering the pulpit over there, and had a great time interacting with uh, body family members of ours. They're part of our denomination, and it was just a great time together. Um, but one of the high privileges and uh, a piece of what has turned out to be Pastor Appreciation Month for me, um, and and I'll share as we go forward. Um, the uh, my bride looked at me that Sunday morning. She goes, "Hey, I'm really torn." I'm like, "What did I do?" And uh, she goes, "No, it's not you. I'm torn about whether to go with you to Airway Heights or go to our church." And I just thought. That is so cool. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about. We don't remember a time in 22 years of ministry that she was torn between going with me to preach somewhere else or coming home and being with her with our family. And so, what a great privilege it, it was! What a it was just a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. And then last week, you guys, it was so cool. Sal and I didn't have to wear long underwear for the first time during a service during November in Enias Valley. It was unbelievable. Um, we got to go and celebrate with Enius Valley the dedication of their the building that they, uh, by God's grace, have built. Um, and it is just incredible. We were actually reminiscing. They actually had a few pictures up there. The, the last time that I got to play my guitar and be part of a service on that property, uh, we were trying to get the tent from just below zero uh, to whatever temperature we could get. Uh, I have pictures. There was snow on the stage. There was snow that had blown in along the chairs. They were sitting in chairs just like this, but there was snow on the ground in between the aisles. And we got up to, they said it, we made our maximum temperature of 41 degrees that morning. By the way, it's really hard to play guitar and sing at that temperature. Number one, your guitar doesn't like you, let alone everything else. So what a great, great time. And um, we were loved up there. I was incredibly emotional. I know you guys can't believe that. Um, when I got up there to start playing and, and, and sharing with people what God was doing, it was just, it was very difficult for me. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't quite grasp the, the weight of all of that as I came in um, to the process. Uh, but I will share this with you. Um, what those last, what the last two weeks have been for me, have been the the culmination of Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, I realized that it was for me to recognize the gift that you guys are, the sound. So I just want you to know that it has been a, a great privilege and a joy to be part of this family. We're just overwhelmed with that truth, um, that reality. This last last two weeks. So glad to be back. And um, I, I, I don't know what's happening with us today. If it's just me, is it me? You want to try a different body pack? Should we do that? See if I've got a bad, a bad thing? Should we try the other one? We could, I mean, we might as well, right? I'm already, I've already started crying. There's no reason to try and clean things up now. Man, what a great, what a great time. Um, Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. I don't know, how many of you guys have had our good storytellers? If you're not, I, there's a few of us in this church that really are. Hold on. 
Are we hearing that? Ah. Nope. It's better. Still got. Okay, we're going to be fine. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's actually a little hilarious. Part of the sermon today is about not being distracted or having our focus on the right stuff. And God's going to test all of you. It's going to be awesome. Good storytellers, right? When we tell stories, that there, it's important that we use uh, different aspects or different techniques to help draw people in and get them to engage. And so for some of us, we're really good at exaggerating the details just a little bit. That's a fine balance as a Christian, isn't it? Telling a story just right so it's interesting enough to actually listen to, but not a lie. Some of us need to repent, probably. But uh, there's times in stories and in, in the processes of things that we intentionally make a change. And I think, I think Mark's making that change right now, partly because we are beginning to see this, the culmination of his ministry. And, and things are going to turn here and start heading towards the cross. And we know that. I don't. I mean, the disciples obviously know that at that time. Um, but when this gospel was written, it was clear. They knew that. So we are seeing a little bit of a change in this process. But I titled the message, What's in it for me? Because I think that one of the things that we're going to see this morning as we go forward is uh, that you're going to have a hard time paying attention. And, uh, and I'm going to have a hard time staying focused, but God knows. And. Did I just say Bill, did that help? Don't move. Now, you guys got to stop moving. This isn't fair. Because if I have to sneeze, so you all do. Um, but here's the reality of life, right? Uh, it, I, I grew up doing dumb things as a child. I, I, I think I told that some of you may have heard this story, but there was a season in my life where I wanted to fly. I was uh, young. I, I was obviously flexible and could bounce well. And so in my uh, exuberance of wanting to fly, I went and grabbed some one by one by uh, their one inch uh, slats of wood. They're a quarter inch thick. You use them to like hang plastic around your windows. If you're in an old farmhouse, anybody remember that stuff? It's not aircraft rated. And so I went and took and wrapped uh, plastic in those made four foot wings because they were four feet long. So I made these four-foot wings, and I put slats in there, and I had plastic in there. I think it was four millimeters. We probably should have went with six millimeters, you know. So my brother and I were, were in this process. We're trying to find things to jump off of, right? Because to fly without a motor, you need some kind of propulsion. The bicycle with me tied to the back of the 10-speed on a skateboard was not enough. We were like, we didn't get any lift. So we were up doing that. My mom came out and she stopped me and she said, can you do some stuff? Now, I tell you the story partly to relate to the, the fact that there's times where in our perspectives we don't see all of the details, right? We miss pieces. In my exuberance to fly, that is easy. Um, in my exuberance to fly, um, I disregarded great safety requirements, great safety necessities, right? Like structural integrity or plastic that would actually work. You want to try that one? We're going to get it.
Jesus' ministry, right? I mean, everywhere that they went, when they saw him, every region, the whole region began to bring their sick. There were, there were ca- probably caravans of people, even carrying them on beds and, and taking them to try and find Jesus where they heard that he was. What an amazing thing that's happening on this. And isn't it interesting that he starts out, here's Mark, he goes from a couple of very personal stories, right? We just saw him feed the 5,000. We saw him walking on water, and, and it's interesting, if we go to a different gospel, you'd actually see that that was Peter's, uh, where Peter walked on water out to see Jesus. So there's this incredible personal relationship, intimate stories that are happening with Jesus himself. And, and then we have this picture where they just backs up and takes a big view of what's going on, how big the ministry was, how, how much impact Jesus was having in that community and in the area of his ministry. You know, one of the things I realized that people recognized, they, they were in their, in their response, in their actions, they recognized that it was a fantastic privilege to have Jesus with them to be in the presence of Jesus. They saw the value, didn't they? They were dragging people to him. Could you imagine the people that didn't make it there in time? Just think about that for just a minute. What about the people that didn't get there? Because Jesus, for whatever reason, kept moving around. He'd get in a boat and leave. In fact, I think, wasn't it in the feeding of the 5,000 that they, they heard where he was going and they ran? around the lake and beat him to the place? What an amazing phenomenon. What an incredible thing. And one of the challenges, one of the things that grabbed me is if, if Mark is really trying to help us see an important aspect of the ministry of Jesus, if, if we're really starting to turn a corner, and we're going to see this path to the cross begin to show up. What could he be trying to help us see? What could the ride, what could Mark be trying to communicate to, to the readers of his gospel? One of the things that I think that it is, that at least for me, as I wrestled through this idea, was uh, what was the focus of everybody involved in this process? Where were their, what was their focus? Where were their priorities? And so we're going to take just a couple of minutes and look at all four different pieces. One, what was the focus of the people? I guess in my notes, it's two, so if you're following, that's two. Three, what was the disciples' focus? What was Jesus' focus? And then what is our focus? What was the focus of the people? What were they focused on? Healing, right? Their physical needs, the the demon-possessed, those that were sick and needed to touch, uh, needed to be healed by Jesus. Their focus was on their physical and immediate needs. Now listen, that's a general statement, right? We know that there were people that were beginning to see who Jesus was, and they were following Him, faithfully believing, and, and even struggling to completely understand what they were seeing in who He was, and what He was saying that He was, and they're going, that's hard to get. That's hard to put our heads around, but we we, we don't want to do it, Lord. We want to follow you, and we want to believe. So we know that those the people were doing that. But as a majority, the general public, there seemed to be a real focus on their physical needs, right? This, interestingly enough, uh, there was a unique relationship with Jesus and his mother. There's a, a scenario where 
We even see in in his family that his family kind of saw him as the uh, go to Jesus for your physical needs, right? Uh, I'm talking about John chapter 2. Look at, look at this interaction with Jesus and his mother. I love this story, uh, especially in light of what's your focus, and, you know, what, what are you going to Jesus for? Uh, in John chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, On the third day there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Don't you love that? I was thinking, that'd be just like my mom, actually, if I were like, hey, Why is this important to me? Go do it. Right? We do that with boys often. Um, how, does, how does cleaning my room help me? Go do it. What's Jesus' mom saying? She knows something about Jesus. There's something going on. She's like, he, he can take care of the issue. He can take care of it. Just do whatever he tells you to do. It's amazing to me. Even at that moment, he, he, Jesus is saying, hey, hey, mom, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here, to, not here to take care of the party condiments. That's what that was. was. They were out of wine. But just let that sink in for a minute. We're not dealing with the spiritual needs of this family here. They're not dealing with the spiritual needs of this wedding party. It was the physical need. Even Jesus' mother at this point in her life saw him as a good way to get groceries? I don't know. It just seems like she doesn't quite get what his purpose is. And yet he, at that point, was reminding her it's not the right time. What was the disciples' purpose? Well, we know for them, uh, theirs was their physical condition, right? We saw that just the uh, just recently in uh, Mark chapter four, verse thirty-eight, and we're only going to read this one verse because it, it just it sums the whole thing up. Mark chapter four, verse thirty-eight. Remember, they're on the in their first storm out on the out on the lake, and the the waves are crashing. Jesus is sleeping in the stern, and uh, verse thirty-eight of Mark chapter four, but. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Right? What was their, phys- what was their concern at that moment? They thought they were going to die. And let's just be honest, they were sailors. They were fishermen. They were used to being out on that, on that lake, on that body of water. They knew it pretty well. So this wasn't just some squeamish little kids going, Oh, there's a wave. They knew what they were talking about. It was significant. It was a serious moment in their life. And they woke Jesus up and they said, help, we're going to die. And why don't you care? Now, this is the one I love the most. Not only were they, were they concerned about their physical condition, but look at how they, what their concerns were about their, uh, their positions, their status in the kingdom, right? Mark chapter 9, verse 30. We're going to get there someday. We're, we're still a little ways away, but we're going to get there. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. 
idiot. So Jesus is telling them that he's going to go to the cross and die and be raised again. Here's the good news, boys. The Messiah has come. Prophecy's going to be fulfilled. And they're like, huh? What are you talking about? And then when he comes and they get to the house, when they get inside, he goes, hey, boys, what was the conversation you guys were so animated about on the road? What was going on there? Cricket. Who wants to be the first one to say, well, Jesus, we were arguing about who's most important in your kingdom. Because you're going to die here soon. And what? Isn't that amazing? Is that not encouraging just a little bit? To me, it's, it is. Even his disciples, they didn't understand. They didn't see. And they didn't have the right focus. Now, I, the beauty of this, you guys, we know the end of the story, right? We know that the disciples, through the power of the Spirit, as they watch everything unfold, they turn around. And they give their lives for them. It becomes so, so real to them. That, that all but John die a martyr's death of the boys that are being taught in this well, and, and uh, our, our poor um, uh, Judas, yeah, poor Judas, he, he, he didn't get there either. But of the guys that made it and, and, and had their hearts turned, they gave their life for this. And some of us, every now and then we think, man, Lucky John, he didn't have to die a death, but he was boiled in oil and a few other attempts at killing him. He just survived. So not like that was the great disciples, uh, you know, retirement plan that didn't end in martyrdom. I, it, it was still horrible and, and obviously a great challenge. But what a great reminder and encouragement to us as we think about what our focus is. Now, let's just take a second, though, and look at what Jesus' focus was, right? You guys just read about this last week. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus is, uh, actually, I apologize, it was two weeks ago. The feeding of the 5,000, he's coming back. They're, they're in the boat and they're crossing over to get some rest. And when they come back to the shore and they arrive, uh, we pick up right there at verse 34, Mark chapter 6. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Jesus was clearly focused on the heart condition of the people, that they were lost, that they were in need of his leadership. They were in need of being redeemed. We also see that he's focused on their eternal destination. Look at uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 29 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. Did I jump ahead? Oh, yeah, look at that. I read a couple extra, but that's okay. Verse 30, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What was Jesus' purpose? What was he here for? Isn't it interesting that he uses a physician analogy right there? 
and yet he's healing everybody. He's, the physical needs are being healed with people that come and touch him and, and interact with him. I think that's an incredible, incredible thing. So then I got to the thing about where's my, what's our focus? And I started with what's my focus, and I apologize that you guys are stuck with me. What's my focus? I told you that I was being critical of people, right? You can all relax with everybody in this room. <sighs> We're dealing with some different things as a district, and uh, some of you may be aware of this, uh, there, there's a debate going on. Actually, it's not even it's done. It's decided on at the national office level. Uh, but, but there's discussion about this, and there's people on different sides of the camp, and there's all kinds of disagreement. And it's been amazing to watch in our denomination that uh, difficulty unfold um, within the association of churches that we are part of in the Northern Mountain District. Now, here's the problem, right? There are people that think they're right, and there are other people that think they're right. And they have, they're in different camps on the rightness of the rightness. So what happens when you have two people that are right but are different? It's called marriage. No. Um, sorry. That just slipped out. That was not in there. Um. But the reality is, is that we have, we have people coming together and trying to find this, this arrangement of agreement and how to work together, and there's, there's good behavior, and there's some less than good behavior. And in my assessment of the process, I found myself doing a lot of griping. Some of you have probably heard some of the griping that I did. And as I'm wrestling through this idea of what's my focus, what's, what is the focus, and I'm convicted um, by this idea of me being focused on the physical things, the, 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 the things that are right in front of me, the things that are here and now. And I, I found myself going into this, this weekend of a conference. I wasn't sleeping well. I was, I was worried about the, the conflict that was going to happen in the discussion, and it was absorbing a ton of my time and energy. And then God, by the grace of God, I go up to Enius Valley, and I'm watching a church that had, I don't know, there were 70 to 80 people in that little tiny building. They're already having talk about possibly building a new, a new sanctuary because they're already starting to fill up the place. Are you kidding me? Isn't that cool? Isn't that incredible? And, he, and here I am, I, I go up there with a sour attitude. Why? Because life stinks. There's things that are bothering me. So I began to wrestle with this idea of what is my focus? Am I focused on the physical things? Am I, fo am I focused on the ailments of my life? Uh, just a fun little story. Turns out that I will pass out if you are showing me on an ultrasound a needle going into my arm. Found that out last week. I didn't go all the way out because I was man enough to say, hey, doc, I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> and he laughed at me. And then they mentioned something about this not being a sign of my manliness. I never thought it was, anyway. But are we focused on the physical things? Are we, is, does our discussion here as a body, when we come together, you guys, do we spend our time talking about the things that we don't like about our church? Do we spend our time talking about the things that we don't like about our governments, our jobs, our families, our, our lives? Or do we spend our time 
focused on exalting God for who He is and the privilege that it is to be in His presence every day. Look at what James chapter 4 says. I just, I, apologize, I already apologized, right? Because this was very frustrating. Not frustrating, it's good. I needed to see this and I needed to be reminded of it. James chapter 4, verse 1 says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Do not speak in evil. Oh, wait. I'm going to stop there. Uh, through verse 10, I apologize. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Do you, we need to recognize something. He's talking to the church there. He's not talking to the lost. That's those of us that have the Spirit indwelling us. He's referencing conflict in the church that, that they don't get what they want, and so they kill one another. And I'm assuming that they're going to Jesus' reference of, of being guilty of murder if we're angry with our brother. Or, you know, I, I'm hoping that's what their church was like, that they weren't actually killing one another in their church. But what consumes our discussions? What consumes the focus of our hunger? Is it our physical needs? Have you ever said at some point, if only the pastor was a little bit better, if only the music was a little bit better, if only that person didn't come to this church, if only I had his wife or her husband, if only my kids only I had that. Only Jesus would fix me now. I think the opposite of that view is Jesus himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, we see an account of Jesus' heart. We see an example. Philippians 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we focused on what Jesus was focused on? Not Although he was equal to God, he did not consider it something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, took on the form of a human, even to the point of death. I, I believe, I believe with all my heart that every time I get angry at somebody on the freeway for doing something that I don't like, every time that I get frustrated with God's plan because it's not going the direction or at the speed or the pace that I want, Every time that there's a conflict in my marriage or in my home or in my neighborhood or in my church, and I say my church not because it's mine, but because I'm yours. We're together. This is the plate. This is my family. Whenever the, those things, I believe it's because, just like James says, we're focused on us. We're focused on our needs, our things. What would, it, what would it look like if we as a church came every Sunday with the mindset of finding somebody else to take care of? What would it look like if we came and said, Lord, would you help me to see the needs of somebody else in this church? Is there somebody that needs to know that they're valuable? Is there somebody that needs to be loved on and cared for and prayed for and, and held up and encouraged? What if we became the church that followed Christ's example? and thought more highly of others and considered the needs of others above our own. Would that not be the coolest place ever to go? Might be kind of tough, though, because then I'd have to give up Christ's doctrine. <laughs> I don't like doing that, you guys. I'm really good at me. I'm particularly skilled at that. And I don't like giving that up. But I'm convinced that we're called to something more. Because Jesus set an example for us. Did you see the vastness of his ministry? Well, he could have had the greatest ministry ever known to mankind, and he just set up a corner somewhere in Galilee. He could have put that place on the map. Could have been Jesus Miracles Gala something. I don't know what, what's a gala. I have no idea what that is. I don't some kind of show. What is it? I don't know what that is. It just that's what popped into my mind. Who knows? I'm pretty my grandmother probably was involved in those. But he didn't do it. He didn't set up shop on the corner and become the greatest healer to ever enter the earth. He didn't become the most powerful, most popular leader on the face of the earth at that time. He didn't topple the kingdoms of men. But he followed in obedience to his father, and he took down the kingdom of Satan. He took down sin and death. And in obedience, he brought the kingdom of God here on earth to mankind. 
And then he has the audacity to look at you and me and say, go and do likewise. Go and live like I've lived. Be the light. Be the, the, the example that I have been for you. Serve as I have served. Love as I have loved. And that's the commission that we're given. So what's our focus? I confess mine's physical often. I know it. I know it. They saw it again this morning. I'm getting off the the off-ramp at Liberty Lakes. Some guy was doing 55 miles an hour before he got off the freeway. Because there's a 100-mile deceleration ramp that you got to be prepared for. I'm like, ah, get out of the way. I've got important things to do. I have to go preach about selflessness. That's ridiculous. I'm sitting on this off-ramp going, Lord, how? How can that make me upset on a Sunday morning? Because it's so easy for me to see the flesh. It's so easy for me to be consumed by my physical and immediate needs. Do you guys recognize one of the greatest things that's happened for us that I think we forget all the time? People were dragging their sick on beds and walking for days to try and find Jesus, hoping that he would be there when they got there. But you and I have access to him every day. Every day. We are in his presence because he is indwelling us by the power of his spirit. We live in constant proximity of the God of the universe that said, I will serve you in such a way that will change your entire eternal future. We should be worshipers of God. We should be overwhelmed by that truth. I'm confessing I'm not. I want to be. Then my heart is so often gets wrapped up in the, in the momentary, immediate issues of my flesh, of my physical issues. But I stand before you this morning and confess that. And I want to challenge you to do the same. I don't know if you have people you can trust. I mean, it's not that hard. Look, I just trusted y'all with it. Miserable and wonderful all at the same time. I don't know how that works. You need to find somebody that you can trust to say, man, I'm a wreck. Ah, I'm not worshiping God today. I don't care about his thing. All I care about is me. Find somebody that can help you with that. Find somebody you can trust. Begin to confess those things. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory 
God the Father. May that be our testimony this week. May that be the worship of our Father, we do not like being served by people. I don't like humility. I like my preferences. I like my opinions. I like my perspectives. I like my comfort. And I've at times realized, God, I have a lot of things I think are right and you're not. Father, I need your help have your heart, to have the heart of Christ lived out in me. I was reminded again this week of what a great privilege and joy that it is to be part of this body, to be part of your family. Help us to see that. I thank you for the portable bathroom in Leah's Valley. I cannot tell you the vast measures of gratitude that you have formed in my heart because of the facilities that we have here, the facilities that they now have, and all of that community in trying to clean that bathroom up for that outreach every week. God, I just pray that you would drove our home for us this week. in every aspect of of our spiritual life, how we see our physical, how we see one another. God, that you would overhaul our hearts and what we talk about in this church, what we talk about in our homes and our neighborhoods, that that we would not be focused on the things that we don't like or the things that are are different than what what we see, but God, we'd be focused on what you are doing. We'd be focused on the hearts in the spiritual, eternal destiny of those that we interact with. God, overwhelm us with the truth of who you are today, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. May you be glorified in the worship and praise and lives of the people here that are your church and that are going out this week that will be your church in every corner of this place from Post Falls, Port Lane, to Spokane, Liberty Lake. God, that we would glorify you. Be our God. 